0: Welcome back to the Big Till Player Profiler Roto Underworld DFS podcast sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. Don't forget... Promo code Underworld for a $10 instant deposit match bonus. I'm your host, Mike Randall. Follow me on Twitter at RandallRant. We are here for week seven, week C at day, as we get you ready for DFS. Yes, they've called it the Bipocalypse. I understand that, but we do have 10 strong games on the main slate that we are going to break down for you. And when I say we, I mean the one, the only, Josh Larky here from from Player Profiler, who does so much amazing work for us, Director of Analytics. Follow him on Twitter at tweets. Josh, you keep coming back for more. I respect you greatly for that.
1: Thanks, Mike. I am back for this, as some have called it, by-mageddon, <laughs> the the bipocalypse. I think it just means that we're going to have to mine a little bit of value in DFS. We're going to have to get a little bit creative this week. But like you said, there's actually some pretty good games this week. This is, I, I actually just one for one kind of prefer this slate to last week. So I'm looking forward to it. And before we just dive into the the game talk, little update on our DFS Dominator module on playerprofiler.com. We're continuing to make a few changes, we're making some improvements, and what you will see very soon for this weekend, we'll have a new improvement when you are choosing your quarterback to optimize with. We will help highlight both that quarterback stacking partners as well as all the run back options. So, you want to play some Patrick Mahomes this week against the Titans? We would highlight you. Ch- you choose Mahomes, Kelsey Hill, Hardman, Pringle, Daryl Williams, all show up, as well as Derrick Henry, AJ Brown, the FERC Daddy himself, Anthony Furcer. More changes to come every single week. I'm just incredibly excited for what the people are going to be getting week after week, I have got a lot of code on my computer and we will continue to bring more and more of it to the DFS module for the good people. So everyone stay patient and I think you'll enjoy the new improvements for this week and those
0: future weeks. Let's get into it. Josh, the changes we make here are incredible. And listen, if the Podfather fires me tomorrow, I would do exactly what I did last week, which is go to your optimizer that you updated with the pick this player, exclude this player, and try to win the million. So I'm not just saying it because we're being paid to do it. I'm saying it because I believe in it. Podfather, please don't fire me. But that is the absolute truth. Moving forward, (laughs) the first game, Kansas City minus five at Tennessee. Why not start at the top, Josh? 57 and a half over under that's a bonanza one o'clock p.m. Some of the injuries there were some did not practice that we are not concerned about but there are some that we are Travis Kelsey is going to play he was limited all week Tyreek Hill Derrick Henry are fine AJ Brown they should list him Josh on the injury report as did not practice Chipotle but he looks like he's going to play as well Julio may give it a go which could suppress ownership on AJ Brown Talk to us here. This is obviously the premier game, Chiefs at Titans.
1: Yeah, it doesn't really get any better than this when you have two good offenses and two really, really bad defenses. It's exactly what you want. Plus, we have the stronger team on the road, which I often like in these circumstances. And there's not there's not really any bad way to play this game. A few things that I'll point out. I talked last week about my infatuation with a Mahomes double stack where it's Mahomes, Hill or Kelsey or Hardman. And then the other guy is Daryl Williams. The Daryl Williams Mahomes connection hit big. And it's kind of the idea that in these good offenses, when there's a lot of points scored, you can actually sneakily get a mid priced or inexpensive running back there in DFS. Last week, Mahomes, 28 DraftKings fantasy points. Daryl Williams last week, 24 DraftKings fantasy points. I'm definitely going right back to that one. Once again, it's unlikely people are going to play them together. So that's one way to get a little bit different on the Chiefs end because we know that Hill's going to be played a lot. We know Kelsey's going to command a lot of ownership. And then, of course, Michael Hardman's going to sneak into quite a few lineups just because he's in that intermediate 4K price range. If we turn to the Titans, like you said, I actually really hope Julio Jones suits up for this game. Do I think he can make it through the entire game? I don't know. There's a good chance that if he suits up, he doesn't make it through the whole game just like last week. And then we can have a minimally played AJ Brown in an eruption spot against a terrible chief secondary with significantly less ownership than he would have commanded if Julio was just ruled out today or yesterday or the day before. I think my, my two favorite ways to play this would be Mahomes, Darryl Williams, and then one of Kelsey or Hill, and then run it back with one or two Titans. Or if I'm going the Tannehill route, I really like Tannehill, A.J. Brown, and then two Chiefs runbacks, Daryl Williams, and then Hardman Hill or Kelsey. I think those are probably my favorite ways to play this. You can probably get away with Tannehill and Derrick Henry together, just because if it's a very high-scoring game, yes, they can both get there. However, if you're going QB, RB in this game, I do prefer them home side just because Derrick Henry is really expensive. 9,200 DraftKings, 11,000 on FanDuel. It's not a fully prohibitive price by any means. I'm not going to avoid the big dog. But when A.J. Brown has a 35 fantasy point ceiling, and he's 50% cheaper on both platforms. It's going to be difficult to be overweight on Derrick Henry compared to the field in this
0: one. I love Anthony Ferkser, Chief's fourth most fantasy points per game to opposing tight ends. The Chief's fewest receiving yards to opposing wide receivers, but that does not mean, folks, that you fade A.J. Brown. And also, for all of you out there, who feel that, oh, we have to be careful with Travis Kelsey. We have to be careful with our plays. There are some plays that are universal. You always want to know about the opposition and how they do against particular positions. But in this case, it's not going to matter. Titans' fourth most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. Their defense has just been a sieve. They'd completely emptied the cartridge against Buffalo, barely surviving, having injuries on both sides. This is a bonanza game. You absolutely need representation to this game. The question is, are you going to like some of our other stacks that we're going to talk about so you can fit in a Hill and a Kelsey here and there, or do you want to go full bore with a Chief stack or a Titan stack? That is the decision. But I think, Josh, one way or another, you have to have part of this game if you're going to win a tournament like the Millie Maker.
1: Yeah, I would agree. And then I'm also going to touch on the this Travis-Kelsey worry that I have seen all over Twitter, I actually made kind of a, a funny video breaking down and just kind of mocking the people that are saying, you can't play Travis Kelsey this week. Because if you go to, to FanDuel, DraftKings, you will see the Titans defense very stingy against the tight end position. But what you have to remember is, I mean, you we all play fantasy. Think about how many tight ends you're willing to start each week. Are you willing to start five of them, 10 of them, 20, 30? There's very, very few tight ends you're willing to start that you can confidently put in and say, I think I'm getting 10 plus fantasy points. There's maybe five that get you there. I'm going to quickly review why the Titans are the third stingiest defense against the tight end. Week one, they faced Max Williams and the Cardinals. Week two, Gerald Everett and the Seahawks. Week three, the Colts. Week four, the Jets. Week 5, the Jags. Dan Arnold actually had 6 catches and 64 yards, but he just didn't happen to score. And then in week 6, they faced the Bills in a game Dawson Knox broke his hand. The Titans have had some luck with the Dawson Knox hand injury. They also had some luck where Dan Arnold didn't happen to score a touchdown in his big game. And they've just faced some very bad tight end rooms. Travis Kelsey can single-handedly put them right back in the middle of fantasy points allowed. And I wouldn't be surprised if that happens and that we log into DraftKings fan duel next week. And what do you know? The Titans are now more of a middle of the pack defense versus the tight end. They've been dreadful against receivers. I don't know any reason why they would be for some reason so stingy against a tight end like Travis Kelsey, who's basically just another receiver. So I really hope that continues to suppress how many people want to play Travis Kelsey this week. And I'm very excited to be well above the field on Travis Kelsey, because once again, I'm, I look DraftKings still below 8K. I don't know what's happening. Maybe he he's just not scoring enough touchdowns. I don't know. The The guy nearly broke his hand last week and still had 99 receiving yards, even though he was coming out. It seemed like every other snap to tend to his hand. He's fully healthy now. And this is just the perfect spot for both Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill.
0: You look to identify the value. Josh mentioned it. Julio Jones, just 200 less than A.J. Brown. And Julio Jones, only 100 less than A.J. Brown. Yet we both agree that A.J. Brown has the much higher blow up upside. Next game up here, one of the higher point spreads of the week, the Rams minus 15 and a half at home against Detroit. I've talked about it, Josh. The double revenge game, Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford. Over-under is 50. That's the magic number. 4 or 5 p.m. on Fox. Not a ton of injuries. Swift, Hawkinson, Sony Michelle all look like they're, they're going to play. There is value across the board here. The Tyler Higby explosion is going to come at some point. You know our thoughts on Swift. Hawkinson still remains pretty affordable. Rams defense has only allowed six passing touchdowns. Not good for Goff. Rams are getting better against running backs. They were terrible early in the year, but the defense is improving Aaron Donald, something to do with that. No one, and I mean, no one gets more destroyed by opposing running backs than than Detroit. Most fantasy points per game to opposing running backs by three full PPR points and the six most, most rushing yards. Josh, looks like a Rams blowout. Where are you going to go here?
1: So we, we have to play a lot of Rams. And if you're playing Stafford, I think you can play him with Darrell Henderson. And you can also just double stack him. You could either throw in the running back or what I really like is Cup and Woods, Cup or Woods with Higby, throw in Van Jefferson. There's a lot of really good options here. I don't really know exactly which way this is going to go. We know that they're going to pour on the fantasy points and that it's either going to be just the full revenge game and Matthew Stafford letting the Lions franchise know that he's in a much better place now. I think we can all agree that or maybe... The Rams play it safe and they go, you know what, We're, we've are we already locked up a playoff spot assuming we don't do anything stupid the rest of the season. Detroit is terrible and Darrell Henderson is just going to run all over them. Either way, you definitely want exposure to this game. It, I think it's pretty hard to imagine the Rams not having at least 30 to 35 points scored in this one. I think their team total was what, 31? It might have been the highest team total on the slate. I'm very excited about this. So definitely playing a lot of the Rams side. And then I think on the Lions side, you actually have three good options. So not as interested in Jared Goff. The guy has just looked terrible. He has arguably the worst receiving core in the league at this point.
0: Josh, do you think you would be more interested in Goff if Terrell Williams gets back anytime soon? Maybe a little bit, but
1: still not too much. I just yeah, I agree. I, th- I think it, it definitely helps. It's a veteran presence. He's reliable, but it's still just, it's, this is a bottom of the barrel receiving core.
0: Not in this game, right?
1: Yeah. Especially <laughs> not in this game. This is the Rams are, are an elite defense. This isn't one of those games where it's like, Oh, it's going to be great golf and comeback mode, slinging it for 350 yards in garbage time. No, no, no. The Rams are just such a stacked and talented team, top to bottom, especially their, their defense has just been bottling up. These inferior quarterbacks this year and the year before. Really hard to see Goff being fantasy viable, but the Lions that I do like, Amon Ross St. Brown is just so inexpensive for someone that could just rack up some garbage time receptions. And if Goff has 250 passing yards in one touchdown, he's not getting there in DFS. But if he's averaging four yards per attempt and is throwing the ball a ton on a PPR platform like DraftKings, Amon Ross St. Brown can get you eight catches for 45 yards and a touchdown. And next thing you know, you're cooking when you only dedicated $4,000 to someone like that. So that's where a guy like Amon Ross comes in. TJ Hawkinson looks like he's finally, maybe hopefully getting over the, that knee injury. He had 11 targets this past week. So starting to look like his old self again, recommanding targets. And then every week, Deandre Swift week, this is, The perfect game script for him, where it's a team that they're probably not going to be able to run on that much. And that's great. DeAndre Swift does not get any fantasy points on the ground. The way that he gets there is through the air. So really like Swift in this one. It's just tough to see Jamal Williams being viable in this game. I made a thread on Twitter earlier this week, and essentially after that week one explosion where Jamal Williams was the RB2 in fantasy, he's been pretty much phased out completely of any type of pass catching role. He's getting under two targets a game since week one. Jamal Williams, is he's just no longer really this pass catching back. He's much more of a run the ball up the middle, 10 times a game kind of runner. So I really don't think that he's in play unless you're banking on Swift getting injured in the first minute of the game. So Swift, Hawkinson, Amon-Ra probably not doing two run backs. but those are the three guys that I'd recommend with your Stafford double stacks in this one.
0: Folks, Amon Ross St. Brown on FanDuel is actually the same price as Randall Cobb and cheaper than Van Jefferson and Darius Slayton. And you're certainly going to get the targets. And on DraftKings, it's even worse. Next game up, Baltimore minus six and a half against Cincinnati. 46 and a half over under, 1 o'clock p.m. CBS. Interesting game. It is usually not... Normal to see a 46 and a half point over under in games between in the AFC North between Baltimore, Cincinnati, the Steelers, etc. Injury report, Joe Burrow will be fine. Murray is out. Latavius Murray is out. So they have to pick Josh a different 35 year old running back to feature. Sammy Watkins is going to be out. Chris Evans looks like he was limited. Interesting stuff across the board here. Marquise Brown to go against the Bengals. Bengals defense has actually been sneaky. Uh, I think it's going to be tested here, but it hasn't been as bad as it has been in the past. Ravens allow the most receiving yards to opposing running backs, so fire up Joe Mixon. He's going to be solid. Bengals very good against opposing tight ends, but again, it's Mark Andrews. I think it's going to matter. And like I said, Ravens are stingy against the pass, especially against leading wide receivers. So maybe I feel T. Higgins gets a little bit of a bump. He's only at 4.9 on DraftKings. But what say you?
1: Yeah, I, I think this is another good game. We're we're, we're lucky that in, the, the, in this bimageddon that we have – two games that we've already discussed with there's interesting angles. Here's a third game. This one definitely going to be a lot more competitive than the last one that we were talking about with that double revenge lions Rams game. And I really like what you were talking about where the, the Ravens have allowed so many fantasy points to opposing running backs through the air and Joe Mixon, six targets, five catches, 59 yards and a touchdown this past week. And that's kind of usage that you love to see because we know what he can do running the ball. It's, and we, we've always known he's a good pass catcher. It was more, will he ever be able to fulfill that role? And I think the answer is yes, we've net We saw it. We just saw it. It can happen. And that's the kind of thing that really raises his ceiling. When you know that the guy can get you nearly 20 fantasy points through the air and is also their undisputed goal line back. The offense is ascending. They're starting to pick up the pace a little bit. We assume Burrow's knee gets healthier each game. I'm really looking forward to this one. And I think that you can actually play both the Lamar side or the Burrow side. On the Lamar end, do not play him with his running backs. I know Devonta Freeman, very tempting to play someone that was good six years ago. Wouldn't recommend it. The, the guy that I really like here, aside from Andrews, is Bateman. I think it was actually a little bit concerning for Marquise Brown that he wasn't more of a factor in Bateman's first game. Yes, I understand Bateman was kind of taking on the Watkins role. He wasn't running quite as deep of routes as Marquise Brown. However, in a PPR format like DraftKings or even half PPR like FanDuel, Bateman looks like the type of receiver that can handle so much more volume. He's got 30, 40, 50, maybe even 60 pounds on Marquise Brown. I mean, I don't know what the guy's weight is, I know that there was the, the the weight gate last year. He he said he was 150 during his rookie season. But one thing with Marquise Brown is that he hasn't really, even though he's done well this year, hasn't really been a volume guy. And I think that it's a little bit concerning of a development that Bateman shows up on a snap count and leads the team in targets. Bateman, 60% of the snaps, which apparently was more than they thought he was going to get going into the game, according to coaches post game. I'm very excited. Bateman... 3.4K on DraftKings, 5.3K on FanDuel. You can fit him into any lineup. And for contrast, Marquise Brown is nearly twice the price on DraftKings and then 2,000 more on FanDuel. Marquise Brown, in my opinion, definitely a more viable FanDuel play when you compare him to Bateman and think about his skill set where it's lower volume, more yardage, more touchdowns. And then Mark Andrews just in a smash spot once again. Anything where there's a decent Ravens game total. I'm interested in Andrews. Looks like whatever his funk was from the beginning of the season, no longer. With Lamar, I'm mostly going to be single stacking. The double stacks I do believe are viable now that they're passing a little bit more than prior Lamar years. However, still not really a quarterback where you want to jam double stacks down everyone's throat. It's not like a Brady thing where There's no reason that you should ever be single-stacking Brady and forgetting about it, that most of those lineups should be double-stacks. Most of your Lamar lineups should be single-stacks. If I have 10 Lamar lineups, maybe two of them are double-stacked, and the other eight are single-stacked for people trying to get an idea of what exactly does that mean. And then on the Bengals side with Joe Burrow, you should be double-stacking Joe Burrow. And I think Mixon, Chase, Higgins, all in play, not quite as interested in Tyler Boyd, he looks like he's really taken the ultimate backseat to both Chase and Higgins. When, whenever Higgins has been healthy, Boyd's role has been significantly worse in the passing game. And both of these Bengals receivers are so incredibly affordable on DraftKings. FanDuel, Chase priced up a little bit, $7,500 on FanDuel. Higgins still reasonably affordable, six point one on FanDuel, but... DraftKings, Jamar Chase 6,200, T. Higgins 4,900, and Joe Burrow's 6.2K on DK. If you want access to that Titans-Chiefs game, but you don't want Mahomes or Tannehill, then Burrow, Chase, Higgins, run it back with Bateman. You can easily get there if you want to throw a Tyreek Hill or you want to throw a Henry in your lineup. So I think that this is actually a good game to play the Bengals side, run it back with a Raven, and then start to sneak in some of those higher-priced players in a game like that Titans-Chiefs one.
0: And I mentioned it on Twitter earlier this week. It's a small sample size. But in the two games that T. Higgins did not play, Tyler Boyd, nine targets, six and a half receptions, 77 receiving yards, 17.2 PPR fantasy points per game. In the four games this year that Higgins did play, everything is almost cut in half. Five targets, 34 receiving yards, 8.9 PPR fantasy points. Don't go there. But this Baltimore offense is getting better every single week. They're improving. And the passing for Lamar Jackson is getting more accurate. He already has the rushing. Dangerous game here. A lot of upside. The next game, Josh, I'm calling the Beastie Boys game, Atlanta and Miami. The reason I'm calling it the Beastie Boys game is because the old song, Don't Sleep Till Brooklyn, is now Don't Sleep On uh or Ryan, either one, (laughs) this is the game you're focusing on because everyone's going to talk about Chiefs and Titans. Other people are going to look for Lamar in the upside, but we both feel strongly that this game, Atlanta minus two and a half at Miami, 47 and a half over under, one o'clock on Fox, has very sneaky potential. Atlanta coming off a bye after going over to London, Miami playing now without a buy after London. It just seems like people are down on this game. Tua should play. Devontae Parker should be back. Preston Williams should be available. And there appears to be value galore. Calvin Ridley, people have forgotten about. Old recency bias because he didn't play in London. Gage is back. Pitts exploded. We think that they have to showcase Tua. This could be his last game. Tell the people, Josh, why this is a very sneaky upside DFS game.
1: So what's nice about this game is that we have two offenses that are competent enough, especially the the Falcons offense, very competent. Dolphins offense looks like it's at least good enough. I mean, we we saw them against the Jaguars. It wasn't always pretty, but this is an offense that we think can pretty easily get there for fantasy points and DFS. On the defensive end, Falcons defense, it's been bad for years. It's still bad. The Miami Dolphins defense has to have been the biggest collapse from last year to this year. They've had numerous cornerback injuries. This is a team that just cannot stop any passing attack. And everyone is just so affordable. If you're looking to do a big game onslaught and you want to throw five players from the same game in, it's hard to find a better one than this. Everyone's price is so affordable. Matt Ryan, Cordero Patterson, Mike Davis, Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage, Kyle Pitts, Mike Gesicki, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Parker. It's Everyone's kind of in that mid 5 to 6K range on DraftKings and then that mid-upper fives, lower sevens range on FanDuel. It's the type of game where you don't want to go the... You didn't like my idea of going the burrow route where you can double stack burrow and sneak in a Henry, sneak in a Kelsey, sneak in a Hill. That's fine. You can do it with the Falcons or the Dolphins. And I think that with Matt Ryan, you have to double stack him. And that with Tua, you can single or double stack. We know that Tua has been weirdly aggressive at times at the goal line for someone that nearly had a career ending hip injury. So I think that you could single stack him, but I really like just double stacking both these quarterbacks and taking the angle that this is a total shootout. Matt Ryan kind of playing for his career and letting everyone know that, yes, I'm still competent. He had the buy. He's going to be very fresh. They're getting Ridley back. They just got Gage back. This offense just hasn't even been that healthy with all these weapons together for weeks. And then on the Tua end, he's going to want to silence all these rumors. There's the Watson rumors. There's just rumors in general that maybe they're going to draft another quarterback. What better way than after a respectable enough fantasy performance and real life performance in London against Jacksonville, why not come back, make it two in a row against a terrible Falcon secondary? This is one where you want to be above the field on pretty much every player in this game. So I'm I'm looking forward to this one. Cordero Patterson, I think, is very good on DraftKings especially. He's 8K on FanDuel, so he's really getting up there, and it seems like FanDuel's kind of leaning into the extreme touchdown variance Patterson has had. I really like him on DraftKings, where you can take advantage of how robust his receiving role has been. Cordero Patterson is getting like six, seven targets game after game. That's the type of usage that we love. On DraftKings 6.3k, super affordable there. What do you think about this one? Did I did I miss anybody? I mean, Waddles good. The Gesicki's just completely uh exploded as this 15 to 20 fantasy point a week guy. It's it's hard to poke holes in this game, honestly.
0: What I love about this game is normally I'm searching for a play that's low ownership. This game provides you a full game, a slate of players with low ownership. Patua comes back from the fractured ribs in week two. Last week, completed over 70% of his passes, 329 yards, two touchdowns, 22 rushing yards. He was the QB 10. You would think because of that terrible interception, which was a miscommunication, that he was horrific. Again, that suppresses ownership. I like pairing Tua and stacking him with Waddle and Ridley. All of the players you mentioned are fine. Waddle is still below 6,000 on both DK and FanDuel, and I think Ridley is ready to explode. The reason I like that is because it allows me enough space on DraftKings and and FanDuel to fit in Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams if I wanted to because I have Tua... I have Ridley. I have Waddle in the flex. It just gives me a lot of flexibility. This is the key game. I'm going to say it now, Josh. It doesn't matter what happens in Kansas City. I know we're going to have ownership there, but if you put in Mahomes and you double stack with Kelsey and Hill or you put in Derrick Henry and you play him with Hill, you're eating up such a large amount of your salary that there is flexibility, and that's what you get. You get high targets with Waddle. You get production with at a at a position that is very hard to get. You get an undervalued Ryan, an undervalued Tua, and you get Ridley, who is top five wide receiver upside, but his cost is suppressed. I think I've hit it all, no?
1: Yes. What's funny is every projection I've seen shows that the whole world is playing Ridley this week, Mm -hmm. and that's about it, which is interesting because then it lets you know, okay, people are playing a lot of that, that Titans-Chiefs game, and they want to cram one more stud in there, and they go, you know what? 6,600 Ridley on DraftKings. I can sneak him in 7.3 K on FanDuel. I can sneak in Ridley. But for some reason, everyone else is being avoided. And what's nice is that, oh, you want to be different from the field where if a lot of the field's playing Ridley, okay, look at the quarterbacks, look at the other pass catchers and notice nobody's playing anyone else in this game. If you want to play Ridley and not have the same lineup as everyone else, great. Just stack this game. It's It just seems so simple and for some reason doesn't seem like anyone else is going that extra step to say, okay, we really like Calvin Ridley. Why do we like Ridley? Well, we think it might be kind of high scoring and he's a good price. Well, look at all these other good price guys in a potentially high scoring game. This is the type of game where it could very easily be 30-30. We could have 60 to 65 points scored in this one, and the Millie Maker winning lineup has four or five players from this
0: game in it. Tampa Bay minus 12 and a half against Chicago, 47 point over under 425. CBS. Couple injuries of note: Antonio Brown ruled out. Uh, I think he could have played, but I feel like they they think pretty confidently they can beat Fields and the Bears without him, so he will rest. Allen Robinson is playing, but certainly doesn't seem like it. Khalil Herbert, probably going to get full workload. And if we're coming off of last night's De'arnest Johnson's volume game, Herbert should get it here because Damian Williams, because he is not vaccinated, Josh and I were talking about that prior to, we, to, to going live here, He can't be eligible to come off until tomorrow, Saturday. So it is very much up in the air. He could miss this again. OJ Howard, can he repeat his performance? Gronk is out as well. What are your thoughts here on Chicago, Tampa Bay? So I just liked this game
1: even more when Antonio Brown was ruled out. We knew Gronk probably wasn't playing and a a lot of my rosters are very disappointed that Antonio Brown won't suit up. But for DFS... Is there a more obvious double stack this week than Brady, Evans, Godwin? Evans and Godwin both very affordable on both platforms. Tom Brady we know is going to throw the ball 40 to 50 times no matter the game script. This is shaping up to be just a a really nice opportunity to set it and forget it with the Brady double stack. We don't have to guess too much. Oh, is it an Evans, a Godwin, an Antonio Brown? Which two of these guys are going to take off this week? It's probably going to be those two. Still no Gronk, so it's going to be Brayton Howard. I know that OJ Howard had the production last week. However, Cameron Brayton ran more routes. So a bit of a toss-up. I think they're both in play where they're both just inexpensive punt play tight ends where they get there with a touchdown. And we know Tom Brady throws a lot of touchdowns. So... Really like basically all these Buccaneers, Leonard Fournette, still an underpriced bell cow on both platforms. And this is one of the interesting ones where rarely do I advocate that oh you have to double stack and you don't have to run it back. There might not be any Bears player that gets there. And part of the reason is just how conservative these game plans have been with Justin Fields. He's frequently been throwing the ball 20 or fewer times in these starts. Uh, they have Khalil Herbert who that's a rookie running back. How much, how much trust are they going to give him? I don't really know. It just looks like totally bad news when you have a quarterback that you've really been easing in with baby game plans an inexperienced rookie running back, the supposed alpha receiver and Allen Robinson, who's both banged up and just hasn't been on the same page as, Fields, I mean if you just look at raw targets, Mooney has more targets on the season than Allen Robinson. It's crazy to think about. I think if you're going to have a Bears player, I think I'd lean Mooney just because we know that they're going to have to pass against the Buccaneers. That's who Fields has had a lot more chemistry with. He's got that deep speed as well to break a long one. Khalil Herbert, I think he's a little bit of a fake free square this week. I I think you should play him. It's it's always tough to avoid a kind of low to mid-priced running back that we think is just going to get close to 100% of the touches. However, the Buccaneers have just been so ferocious against running backs and Khalil Herbert doesn't have the pass-catching pedigree to make me think that he's immediately soaking up eight targets in a negative game script. So double stack Brady and potentially don't even run it back. You can run it back with Mooney. You can run it back with Herbert. You can consider Allen Robinson And then I guess the the one other sneaky guy is Cole Komet actually has sort of a half decent role. I generally don't like these tight ends on low pass volume offenses that are bad because it just means probably no touchdown and probably few targets. However, Komet is so inexpensive and there's just so few viable options in this Bears passing game that I think Komet is worth a flyer if you're struggling with salary and you throw Brady Evans Godwin in a lineup you're allowed to you're allowed with, you're allowed to have some cold commit. So I don't, I don't think I have too much else to add there, but probably not playing a lot of fields this week. I know you might think, Oh, this is the week they unleash him because it's the Buccaneers and they can't run the ball. Well, I don't know. They haven't unleashed him yet. And the bears are actually like sort of still in playoff contention. Doesn't seem like they have any incentive whatsoever to just throw him to the wolves in this one. So probably staying away from pretty much all the bears.
0: Let's do a couple of quickies here. Those are the main games. Let's go around rapid fire. If you will, green Bay minus eight against Washington. This game opened up at green Bay minus six and a half. It's now up to eight 48 point over under one o'clock PM on Fox. The sharps in the betting world really like Washington here, Josh. They're starting to come back on Washington They think that they can make a run. Everyone's thinking Green Bay. That defense has been one of the most disappointing units of the season. Gibson is banged up. It looks like he's going to play. Heineke, is this his last game starting? There's just so many question marks. And, of course, the death taxes in Devontae Adams, although last week the Bears did limit him, but it didn't really matter. So where are you going here with Green Bay Washington? So we talked about this before, show.
1: I think the the best play from this game, aside from how – you can never just fade Devontae Adams with any time you have a the most talented receiver in the NFL frequently sucking up 40% of the team's targets from a Hall of Fame quarterback. You're just going to have to play that guy and fit him in when you can. But Antonio Gibson, fairly inexpensive on both platforms. He was in and out of the game last week. What's going on with his shin? We still know that this is a guy with four four wheels He does have some pass game role. They do lean on him. He gets a healthy amount of touches each game. The Green Bay Packers defense has been anything but stellar against the run the past couple seasons. So I think that's kind of an interesting skinny correlation because I just don't love this game in general. It's a very slow paced Green Bay team that I do think is probably going to control this one. But if you want to sneak something from this game. And I think Devonte Adams, Antonio Gibson, you can just throw both of those guys into your lineup and think, you know what? I'm probably, probably getting all these goal line carries on the Washington end. Maybe we get another screen pass to the house and on the Packers side, just take half of their passing offense and, and just put it into one play with Devonte Adams. So not super excited to play. I mean, I, I feel like I talk about this every week. It's just hard to get excited about Aaron Rodgers when He's always one of the top five most expensive quarterbacks. He doesn't have mobility. He doesn't push the pace. If you watch any Packers game, the clock is striking one or zero anytime he hikes the ball, which is actually really strange. The, what I've always thought is interesting about the pushing the paces. If we think about how small sample the NFL is, where there's only 16, now 17 games, they are only running, what, 50 to 70 plays a game. If the Packers truly think that they are a good NFL team, you would think they are running as many plays as possible to expand the sample size. If they think they're 10% better than Washington each snap, why not expand the sample size? Why not speed the pace up? It's very concerning, honestly, with their play calling. And it makes me think that they just don't, they're not even convinced how good their team is right now. Or maybe they think because they were kind of slow last year and it quote unquote worked that they're going to do it again. But I think it's one of the more head scratching analytical decisions that when you have what looks on paper, like an incredible offense that you would try and run as few plays as possible, have as few plays to exploit your advantage on offense. So I just don't know what to make of it, but it's just, Really difficult to do those Rodgers-Adams stacks. And I just keep going Adams naked in a lot of my lineups.
0: Carolina minus three at the Giants. 42.5 low over under 1 o'clock PM on Fox. Interesting betting dichotomy here. 79% of the bets are on Carolina but the majority of money's coming in on the Giants. That is despite the Giants going to be without Kadarius Toney, Kenny Galladay, and Saquon Barkley. Looks like Shepard as well. Maybe Slayton is back. This is a banged-up Giants team, Josh. do you give them a chance here against the Panthers? It's really unfortunate
1: that the the Shepard news came out because at the start of this week, I was very excited about Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is exactly the type of quarterback that you want for tournaments the guy that's hit 400 passing yards in a game this year, the guy that had 95 rushing yards in another game this year, a guy that's had about 30 fantasy points in two different games this year, while also having two games below 10 fantasy points to make sure that his overall average fantasy points are suppressed for the public. That is a GPP winning type of quarterback right there with the profile. The problem is it looks like he's throwing to Dante Pettis, Evan Engram, Devontae Booker, and I mean, I can't believe we're saying this. We're hoping Darius Slayton. Dear Lord. It's it's a really tough scene. And I was already a little bit hesitant to play much more than just a few uh, prayer stacks with Daniel Jones. And it's just even harder now that we know that Sterling Shepard had some type of setback with his hamstring this week. So I think the, the move here is that Dante Pettis is probably mispriced if... He's the, the last man standing. He actually had 11 targets this past week, which is just a wild turn of events for a guy that was on the scrap heap. Wasn't even considered any part of this offense. You, He was probably what the wide receiver seven on the depth chart when the season began. And next, you know, he's thrust into an explosive guy. That's very dynamic. 11 targets last week. So I think if you're looking for a min-priced receiver, that's a that's a pretty good option to go with just because they have nobody else. Not very interested in Slayton. 4000 on DraftKings. It's just, it's, it's pretty expensive for a guy that's never really been a target hog and is also fresh off that injury. We don't know what he's going to do. On the Panthers side, I think the, the best plays here are going to be Chuba and DJ Moore. Not a great game environment for Darnold. He looks like he's finally coming back to life a little bit and that he's probably not a bad, like as bad of a quarterback as he was this past week. Probably not as good of a quarterback as he was the first few weeks, somewhere in the middle, but very low game total. I think DJ Moore's interesting just with his talent. You can sneak in some more Robbie Anderson. It might happen at some point. The targets have been there. Terrace Marshall out with a concussion. But I think the the best play on the Panthers is going to be Chuba, who is a mid-price running back with, at this point, pretty much the Christian McCaffrey role. So I'll definitely be playing quite a bit of Chuba just throughout my lineups. And then uh, Dante Pettis is probably going to enter some of those Mahomes stacks. Let's be honest.
0: I remember being a Dante Pettis. truther. I have no problem with that at all. Pats at home, need a win badly. Minus seven over a Jets team they dominated. Tyler Croft out for the Jets. So is Tevin Coleman. Damian Harris here. Any correlation there, Josh?
1: Uh, Probably not. Damian Harris needs to start catching some passes. Until Damian Harris is catching passes, I think he's a lot more of uh, kind of a a stable floor, moderate ceiling kind of running back. Gun to your head.
0: Gun to your head. Is he the lead back in New England fantasy-wise in week 12?
1: I say yes, but...
0: I'm the anxious. fact that you even hesitated shows us where we're at with Damian Harris. I agree with you. I, I'm not ready to even say that, but the fact that you didn't answer yes right away tells you all you need to know about Damian Harris. Yeah,
1: I thought about like Ramondre Rumbling and Bumbling right. was like, right. you know, this guy could, this guy could eat into some of those snaps. Next, thing you know, it's a full on timeshare. So there's pretty much nobody of interest that you don't want to play Jets. And then on the the Patriots side, I think Jacoby Myers is still viable. The The guys nearly hit 20 fantasy points in a couple of these games, despite still having no touchdowns in his NFL career receiving. So I think Jacoby Myers is kind of an interesting one-off play. Michael Carter, I guess, would be that if I had to choose a jet, maybe that's the jet I choose. But it just seems like when you look at his price range and other options, there's just better options. We're going to get to Philly Vegas next. But I mean, when Miles Sanders is $300 more than Michael Carter really difficult to play a lot of Michael Carter. So probably just a couple couple sprinkles of Jacoby Myers. Maybe you sprinkle a Hunter Henry, but you can can pretty much just leave this game alone.
0: Vegas Eagles. I kind of like some action here. Vegas favored in this game. It's getting lower by only two and a half. A lot of people like the Eagles. Over-under is a substantial 48 and a half. Eagles have had rest coming off the Thursday night game against the Buccaneers. But in this game, I don't see how you avoid Jalen Hurts. He's under 7,000 on DraftKings. Dallas Goddard, free from the bonds of Zach Ertz, I think is very viable. And I think this is a Josh Jacobs game. 6.2 on DraftKings, 6.9 on FanDuel. I think this is a definite double touchdown spot for them. I don't think the Eagles come in and blow them out. I think it's going to be sneaky high scoring, kind of like this as a mini Atlanta-Miami game. What do you think here?
1: Yeah, interesting that you said Josh Jacobs because – if you just look at the box score, you go, oh my God, Kenyon Drake. Look at those fantasy points. Has he overtaken Josh Jacobs? What's going on? And then you realize that Kenyon Drake had four carries and two catches and happened to score a touchdown on the ground and a touchdown through the air. Do I think Kenyon Drake is frequently going to have six touches and one in three of those go for touchdowns? Very unlikely. Josh Jacobs' role has actually been decent the target share, it's starting to tick up. It's it's roughly 10% now on the season. It's good to see that continuing to bump up a little bit because we know that he's a good running back and that one of the issues and why he's kind of been a punchline in fantasy football is just that he isn't catching passes and the offense wasn't quite good enough for a grinder to be getting there in fantasy. But Josh Jacobs getting a little more pass involvement, the Raiders offense being pretty good this year, probably better than last year. Jacobs is in a really good spot. So I like Jacobs kind of in that mid price zone. I think Waller is also another good one where you just have to play a little Waller each week, knowing that he's probably going to get five to seven targets, but that the 15 plus target game will always be in his range of outcomes. And you don't really want to have 0% Waller when that game hits. Not very interested in Brian Edwards. It's very sad. Not very interested in Hunter Renfro, kind of low ceiling. I think Ruggs is becoming more viable as he's just improving his connection with Derek Carr. The catch rate's getting a little better. He's running a lot of those deep routes. We know he's faster than any defensive back that's going to be covering him. He's starting to get a little bit expensive, but I still think that if you're playing the Derek Carr side or the Jalen Hurts side and you want either a stacking partner or a run back, Ruggs is allowed I think the, probably the, the way I'm going to play this game the most, though, is either Hurts with Devonta Smith or, like you said, Hurts with Dallas Goddard. I think those are both very interesting plays because we just don't know what kind of role Goddard will have. We don't even necessarily know what role Smith will have. Hurts was a surprisingly large part of the offense this year. And just plucking out someone that's been getting six targets a game, that's going to shift the pecking order and... I think that that type of uncertainty is something that we should lean on this week, especially. If you're going the Derek Carr route, I think Miles Sanders is also a good run back. Miles Sanders is still out on the field. I, I think of him as kind of the the guy's got the best seat in the house. He is the number one spectator in football has to be Miles Sanders. The guy had an 80% snap share this past week. His snap share on the season is around 70%. He's basically a top 10 running back in terms of being out on the field. And then he's closer to uh, potentially even outside the top 20 per game when it comes to actual touches. So he's always out on the field. He's just not getting the work. This is a good matchup for him. The Vegas defense is not particularly good. So I like the idea that Sanders is out on the field for 70% plus of these snaps. We've already heard talk from the coaching staff. They want to get Sanders more involved. We'll see if that happens or not. But when he's 5100 price down, and people still go, eh, I don't know if I'm going to play him. I'll be playing some Miles Sanders this week. So this is one of those games where it's not uh, it's not one of the, the sexier games on the slate, but we actually have quite a bit of players that can sneak into our lineups just in general. And then especially with the, the Jalen Hurts stacks, now that there's Ertz removed from the puzzle, I think it makes both Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard even better partners for him this week.
0: And the last one, Arizona minus 17 and a half over Houston, over-unders 47 and a half. Not much here, Josh, but maybe a couple Arizona players.
1: Yeah, I don't think you really want to play too much Kyler Murray. When, when you have the most expensive or second most expensive quarterback in a game like this where the Cardinals, they're undefeated, they're at home. They're facing Davis Mills. Murray had a shoulder injury he was tending to a week or two ago. There's What is the incentive for them to run out some crazy aggressive game plan when they've already been fairly conservative with a lot of their play calls and that a lot of the ways they've gotten there was through efficiency and touchdown efficiency? A little bit difficult for me to to just go, you know what, Kyler Murray, we have to play him. He's going to bury me. Do I really think Kyler Murray's going to outscore every quarterback on the slate by five fantasy points? Very, very unlikely. And then you run into, well, who do you run it back on the the Texans? It's either Brandon Cooks or nothing. Just kind of an ugly game environment. I think there's a couple one-off pieces that are interesting, like uh, Christian Kirk, Rondale Moore. You could have them sneak into a couple lineups. Chase Edmonds finally off the injury report, which is nice, but really not the, the game script that you necessarily want for him. So for the most part, I'm just going to stay away from this game. I know the the Cardinals have a decently high team total, but it could be one of those ugly games where they just kind of spread the wealth sort of what they've been doing this year, where Kyler's f- frequently getting there, but then nobody else really is maybe Kirk or Rondale deal more. Cause they're inexpensive. So probably a game I'm just staying away from. There's no need with the other games we've highlighted on the slate
0: folks. It's a 10 game slate. That's not an abundance of teams, but there's certainly enough value there. And today's theme don't sleep on Tua uh, Orion. It's a 10-game slate. That's not an abundance of teams, but there's certainly enough value there. And today's theme, don't sleep on Tua uh, Orion. Cool,
1: I don't, I don't care that much. I mean, Philly-Vegas, Like, I think Jalen Hurts is in a good spot. I think
0: Sanders is in a good spot, but... I did hurts Goddard bringing back Jacobs, which I don't normally like to do. Bring back the running back, but I think he's the center of everything they do, and I just they don't use the receivers enough.
1: I think Jacobs is getting more viable. He's actually, it's it seems like they're trying to expand his role potentially. And what I like is that Drake had no usage last week. He had like five touches, but he had two touchdowns. So I, I think that'll actually suppress Jacobs, which is kind of nice. So that's interesting. Yeah, I, I think, like, I'll never love Jacobs, but I think he's actually, like, a kind of a decent play this week on a weird slate. The, the Cardinals' play calling is just so underwhelming. And... Tyler had a shoulder thing from like a week or two ago. Just seems like the kind of game where they have absolutely no incentive to do anything. They're undefeated. They're trying to
0: lock up this number one seed. It's Davis Mills and the Texans. Davis Mills, otherwise known as Josh Larkey.